Okay. What's true failure in life? What's God's ideal for marriage? Okay. And uh, why did God make you? Glorify God, and because God made you, what does that mean? Don't ever forget that. Now, tomorrow's school again. What do you think? But you may not like it. You may not like a lot of things you do in life. So, what are you going to always do? I will. We want to welcome each of you to our services tonight. I know it's good for me and my wife to be back home. We miss it when we're not here. And uh, we want to begin tonight by welcoming all of you to our services, especially if you are a guest of ours tonight. We are deeply honored that you've come our way. We've got several class choices tonight. There's one here in the auditorium. There's also one in the annex. And of course, we have a new adult, young adult class that we've started in the little chapel. And uh, you can be a part of that if you would like as well. Before we begin, just a couple of reminders and announcements. Uh, the Golden Circle is going to be going to Cracker Barrel tomorrow morning to eat breakfast in Corinth, and the bus will leave at 8.30. And again, please uh, check, the cal uh, check the bulletin or the uh, update today as far as those who may be sick. And we need to please encourage and remember in our prayers those who are sick, those who've lost loved ones. Let's uh, close this part with our prayer. Will you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day that you blessed us with. We are so thankful for all the good things you do for us each day. Father, there are many on our minds today who are sick, that need our prayers, that need our encouragement, Father. And we pray for each of these, and you know their needs. We also, again, pray for those that are grieved by the loss of loved ones. We pray that your hand of Healing and consolation would be upon them, Father. Bless us in our Bible study tonight. May we be thankful for such opportunities and take advantage of them. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for your Son who gave his life on the cross for our sins. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord.
Which one do I need? It's not showing. How is everybody tonight? Good. Four of you, great. How is everybody tonight? Great. Good. I'm glad to see everybody. Hope you're well. Um, thank you for being a part of our Bible class as we continue our, our series of studies on um, Bible answers to denominational uh, doctrines, which is the overview of our class. And as I've already said, I, I try to backtrack a little bit so that if you are new to the class or missed a session that you understand this is not a uh, this is a class in which we are um, in love looking at some things some some Bible topics and we understand that there are some um, um, there are some various topics when it comes to worship, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the kingdom. There are some uh, differences of thought. And so with that in mind, our goal is to look into the scripture and determine what the Bible says about it and do so in a loving way and do so in a, a way that pleases God and glorifies him and is true to the word. And that's what we have striven to do now, very quickly tonight, as we get started, let's, if there are any, who do we need to put on our sick list so that we can include them in our prayer as we start? Let's do that as quickly as possible. Mama, say Laura Warner. Jesus, that like spell her name again. Laura, that's what I thought. Laura, she's battling the crud. They tested her for COVID and she's tested negative. So we need to remember Sister Warner uh, in our prayers. Thank you, baby. I just got started 
Randy, of course. people that rise to your thoughts uh, because uh, you know they are either facing surgery or they're recovering from surgery or they're dealing with uh, whether it's sickness or sadness or some other difficulty uh, you think of them that says something about your train of thought your your process uh, and that's how it is supposed to be and I appreciate that and so as we begin our prayer t our study tonight with the word of prayer we keep them in mind foremost and as we focus our thoughts. So pray with me. Most gracious Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace, thankful for all that you do for us, thankful that you allow us to have the opportunity to study your truth. We ask for clarity of thought as we do that, and I pray that as we open God's Word, that we do so in a way that glorifies you and serves you. Father, as we look at various topics of importance because they are eternal in nature, because you have directed your will about those things, as we think about how that sometimes men turn those things in a different direction, help us to look at those things carefully and compassionately as we talk to others about it, but always committedly to making sure that we do exactly what you would have us do to do. I pray you'll give me clarity of thought and focus of heart as I lead this discussion. And also, Father, tonight, you know better than we that there are so many in our congregation, associated with our congregation, on the hearts of those who are family members within this church body. And tonight especially it has been brought to our attention Flora Warner, Randy Beatty, Coley Floyd, Glenn Newton, J.J. Jennings, Milton and Juanice Floyd, Norma and Bob Stevens, Norma and then Bob Stevens. And Father, 
we know that they have problems unique to themselves and you understand their needs. We ask that you would be with those who are continuing to care for them, who will care for them, and those who are family who surround them, that in accordance to your will, their health might be restored. We pray this for these individuals and for all of those uh, on our list and even about whom we do not know, but you know, for you are greater than we are. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Okay, so to, to backtrack just a little bit, to think, let's see, what we've been talking about yesterday, is that how it normally looks? Looks a little different for me. I want us to, not from yesterday, from last Sunday, to make sure that we're on the same page. When we are, we are into our lesson two, in order for us to have a conversation. And I want to teach this class, my goal has been to teach this class, and still remains, to teach it in a way that is, is not instructing you, not, not being informational. Here's what the Bible says, and you do with it what you will, or here's what the Bible says, this is what you have to do with it. Uh, but rather, for us to think about how will we take what we learn, and how will we use that in our, in our active conversations, and even in our inactive ones, in our influences with others, when we are around them, uh, because how we live the truth, how we portray the truth, and yes, folks, in, in regard to this lesson, how we teach the truth when we encounter others who may not necessarily be asking for a lesson, but because we are finding ourselves, uh, for lack of a better term, at a crossroads with a differing idea or differing thought or differing opinion about something regarding God's plan for worship or God's plan for salvation or, or something like that. How we behave ourselves is that important. Um, and, and so I think it's, in, and I want to say this time out, I'll forget it if I don't uh, take care of this now. But uh, one thing I wanted to tell you and forgot last week, we are very blessed here. And if you're a, a man who's willing to teach one of the lessons uh, in the uh, young adult class, I wish you would sign up and do that. That's a, a goal for that, and, and it's also a goal for them to have that class that, that they ask for. But um, I'm saying this because we are blessed more than ever. Um, we have people who are teaching Bible classes who have not taught before, and I expect that to grow who haven't taught in a long time, and I expect that to grow. And also, um, I am thankful to, you know, I don't know what to call him, but uh, Chris Parson and I have had some good conversations, and he is uh, serving as my, uh, uh, he, said, he said I'm his mentor, and that scares me, so I don't want to use that word. Um, but uh, he's wanting to learn to teach, and so he's sitting in this class for that purpose, and uh, we'll likely teach one of these before it's over. Oh, I didn't mention that to him. Um, sh sh don't tell him that, okay? Uh, but uh, that's exciting. We reach a point that people say, hey, 
can I do something? Um, that's a wonderful thing. Nod your head like this. Absolutely. And that's what we want. Um, so let's talk about the idea of foundations. We talked that the foundation is important. When we're talking about doctrine, we, there is no such thing as, um, in fact, that you think I'm going to be flippant here, uh, but someone says, what does the Church of Christ believe on? I don't know. Now, don't be flippant when you say that. What is the Church of Christ's doctrine? I have no idea. Uh, and they look at you like, what are you talking about? Uh, there isn't one. There's either what the Bible says, there is what the Bible says, period. It either matches what I am doing or what I'm thinking, or it doesn't. That is, it, that's, that is the case for every individual, and it always will be. For every group of individuals, regardless of their plan, regardless of their, what their purpose is, that's the way we have to approach it. And so as we talk about people, uh, two people rather, about these things, you, you, you agree with me, do you not, that doctrine that pleases God has to sit on a foundation. It has to sit on a solid foundation. And last week we looked at three. Doctrine must originate in God's holy truth. If it doesn't originate in the Bible, then it doesn't please God. Number two, doc, man is not permitted to change or alter Doctrine, And when we say doctrine, that's why that's in parentheses. Because I, I want you to get in your mind that doctrine, the doctrine on what does a person need to do to, to inherit eternal life. The doctrine of what worship pleases God. The doctrine of um, the makeup and the organization of the church, of the kingdom. That's God's truth on the matter. They are synonymous. And so, number three, man is not permitted to add to or take away. Cannot do it. Scripture says so. I can't alter it to suit myself. And then that is where we got to last week. We were ready for that one. And so I want us to park here for a moment and dig into that. Man must respect the authority of doctrine. And I mean God's holy truth, right? Man has to respect that. Now, let me lead into this study tonight with a, a little people poll. And uh, I would love for you to actually say something. Um, but on a 100% scale, with 100% being... And, and okay, let me back up. Let's take the Bible off the table for a minute. I'm not talking necessarily about Bible things. I'm talking about everything in general. Anything and everything that comes to mind. The world as a whole. I'm not talking about just the teenagers, not just this generation and that generation. I get confused when people start talking about generation this, that, and the other. I have no idea what generation I am. I think it changes uh, based on how I feel sometimes. Uh, but regardless of that, on a scale, 100% being everything is lovely respect for authority of all kinds is at an all-time high, 100%, or zero, there's absolutely no authority whatsoever, I mean, no respect for authority of any kind. Where do you think today's society falls on a scale of 0% to 100% on respect for authority of any kind? Zero. Zero. 
Woo! Very close. 25? Okay. 10? Oh, okay. So give me some examples of then of how you see the lack of respect in the world in general manifesting itself. How does the lack of respect that you see out there manifest itself? Children and parents, okay. An overall attitude, I don't know if you heard that, of I, I do what makes me happy and I forget everything else for the pursuit of that. What did you say, brother? They don't have respect for laws. Don't have respect for, for laws in general. Okay, true. Absolutely. A privileged attitude. A, um, what's the term? Empowerment. Entitlement. That's it, that's it. Entitlement. Sure, absolutely. I had a student a long time ago. Now, it was long before Wheeler, different place. But a student who basically didn't say those words exactly, but pretty much said, don't you know who I am? There, there is a, 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 a wave of that for sure. The lack of respect for authority. So now the question of the hour is, does that spill over or has that spilled over or does that exist when it comes to spiritual matters, religious matters? Absolutely. So... Sure. I'm glad we're kind of unfolding here the idea that this lack of this lack of uh, respect for authority isn't exclusive to one arena. It isn't exclusive to one group of people, but it is in fact flowing in many directions as an undercurrent that is not just affecting people in the way they behave, but it's affecting now people in who they actually are and how they actually think. Now, uh, uh, Luther, I want to go back even deeper than that. Uh, the reason why there are many who struggle uh, from a, a, uh, an aspect of respecting uh, the authority of the eldership is because uh, there is another level of that authority that they don't respect. Let's look at these verses. Turn to Acts 4. Let's turn to... A few of these verses. Acts chapter 4, 8 through 12. Now we've read verse 12 already. And now, if you don't care, are you reading from the King James or the New King James? Okay, good. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to, unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
even by him doth this man stand here before you hold. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You know, and I want you to go ahead and be turning to Colossians 3.17 if you don't care, because these four verses go together. Colossians 3.17. Now, as you're reading this, notice verse 12, we often read it together. There's no other name given among men or given under heaven among men by which you be saved. But if you back up and read that entire thing, what is it that gives Jesus that authority? And we're going to see it again. The fact that he was, if, if you ask uh, JT, what's the, the, uh, the fundamental facts of the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15? He'd tell you the death the burial, the resurrection of Christ. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God and walked out of that tomb is the sealing point of the fact that he is God's message, his messenger, his representative, his savior, our savior because of God's plan and God's power. Because he's risen by the power of God, he is, that resurrection gave him all authority. God appointed him, gave him that authority, and then proved that authority by the fact that he was resurrected from the dead. The word name there that you read, I looked it up again to make sure. It's the exact same uh, word you're about to read here. And I think the King James, read Colossians 3.17, the new King James is going to say authority. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Read in another translation and read the word authority because that's the word, that's what name means in this text, not just in connection with. I don't do things just under the banner of Jesus. I don't do things just under the umbrella of I am a follower of Jesus. That's not what in the name of means. There's no other name given by which you're saved. The name by which we raise this crippled man or that we heal this crippled man, that, and that word name in the Greek means authority. It's the authority that was given to Christ by God. And it, the authority had power. It had power that went with it. The idea, everything you do in word and deed. What's left out of? Tell me what is, is left out of what we would do in what we say, what we say is what we think. What we think, what's in our heart, what we say, what we do. What's left out of that? Isn't that everything about who we are? So everything that you are, everything that you do, you say, it has to be governed by the authority, the power that's represented in the authority given to Christ by God. And so if he is our head, if he is our savior, if he is our Lord, then everything I do has his authority. So as a stu student of the word of God, as someone who is striving to teach, if I'm going to teach someone else, if I'm going to say this doctrine has relevance for you eternally, I have to make sure that it is authorized by the word of God. Now, in fact, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, he said, what did he say? All 
power, which is another way of saying all authority, has been given to me. Who gave it to him? God did. So you understand the reason why I wanted us to have that little conversation to begin with is because we have to understand how we think about things, how we see things will govern everything we do, everything we think. So if you're talking to someone about, okay, you and I have a difference of opinion, or we seem to, to be at an impasse, we disagree about this religious topic. So as we talk about it, rather than butt heads on that particular topic, let's talk about Bible authority. Do we respect, first of all, do we believe that God is God? And if we do, that Jesus is his son. And if he is, that he was truly God in the flesh and that he died on a cross. Well, of course I believe that. Do you believe that he was resurrected the third day? Of course I do. Was he, did he ascend back to the Father? Yes. And when he ascended back to the Father, he was given the authority to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if that's the case, then everything I do has to fall under the mantle of that authority. So I have to respect... Now go to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. I have to respect... the authority of the Lord. So, and that includes the authority of, the, of doctrine, of holy, everything you do. He said, now, I'm sorry, I didn't finish Matthew 28. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? By the way, that name doesn't mean you just call those names out loud. Just calling those names doesn't mean that person's baptized. You know, we know that, right? You know, when you baptize someone in the name of the Father, by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that means you have followed that, what I heard you just say. Read 2 Timothy 1, 3, 13. 1, 13. 1, 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. What? Form of sound the words. form of sound words. Form of sound doctrine. Sound teaching. Sound words. Same thing. And then another translation instead of form says pattern. The idea of a pattern. So hold forth the pattern, the form of sound words. Come on, we understand that, right? What's one of the first things that we teach children to do? What, what do little children love to do very, at the very beginning? They love to take crayons and... Don't say right on the wall, okay? They love to what? Color pictures. They love to color. And what's one of the first things we try to teach them to do so that they will learn structure? Stay in the lines. Why do we do that? Why does anybody care? Now, I'll be honest with you, there's a stream of thought today that would say nobody does care. It doesn't matter. As long as you're expressing yourself, it doesn't matter if you're in the lines or not. Well, that may be okay for some unimportant aspects of life. Not many. You know, try that on the next driving test. You know? Uh, 
look, I don't mean this ugly, and please don't say, and I, I hope I'm not going out sounding this way, that, uh, but y'all don't know how many times it takes some of the teenagers today to pass the driving test. I don't know why, but I can tell you one thing. I believe there are a plethora of them who simply don't believe they have to learn it. I mean, all I got to do is get behind the wheel and go. I don't really have to learn the set of things that I'm supposed to learn in order to pass a test. They figure out rather quickly that they do. One of the harshest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and since this is an old bulletin, I think it'll be okay to tear it up. But I saw this with my, this was before computers. This was back standing in the old, uh, at the, in Iuka years ago. Back when you had to take it on paper test. I was waiting to get my, something done. I can't remember. I was already married. And this really stern fellow came out in his uniform and called this young man's name. Uh, broke my heart. And I was sitting in the corner. And this little boy stood up and said, yes, sir. And he walked up there and he was holding that test. And he said, son, did you study? Yes, sir. Study harder. And then... That hurt me, you know. But sometimes I'm afraid that's what happens, is that I don't really have to adhere to the things that are the guides. But yes, I do, especially when it comes to God's truth. I have to respect the authority of God's holy truth, of doctrine. I have to color in the lines. If not, God will not accept it. And so when we're talking about things, that's the very first thing we have to understand. And, and I, m maybe this is, uh, um, I may not be making any sense, but I want it to be super simple. In fact, look at that image on the screen. I'm not trying to be funny here. I want, to, I want you to look at that image. I want to say, JT, I mess with you all the time, but I want you to be my serious partner here. You do this for me? Okay, JT, uh, you're selling, maybe you got some garden, you or, or Luther either one are selling some uh, cucumbers for a dollar a piece, really big ones, okay? Uh, but, and I say, my question, would you take, you're, you're selling some pepper plants for a dollar a piece, or would you take that dollar? That one right there. Would you accept that in payment? Yes. Yeah, why? Well, why is that acceptable? Okay, and so why is that particular bill acceptable? I'm going somewhere with this. Because, oh, okay, because it is actually, well, what about, what's, what about that one? <laughs> that was printed too. In fact, it was thrown out at concerts back in the 80s. Um, it's got United States of America. It's got $1. It's got the, the, uh, the edges around there, but what's wrong with that? It's not the original. It has no value because it has no authority. It has no value because there is no authority behind it. See, that one has value not because it has the number on it, not because it has words on it, not because it has the picture of a president on it. It has the authority of the government behind it that makes it valuable. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper. So when I think about doctrine, I have to respect the fact 
that it has to originate. It has to originate in God's truth. Otherwise, it's not from God. I cannot change it to suit myself in any shape, form, or fashion. I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. I have to respect the authority of God's truth. Otherwise, I don't please God. That's pretty simple. That's the foundation of doctrine that pleases God. Now, we've got a few more minutes. I knew, I told y'all it would be this way, that we wouldn't always end exactly that way. Uh, now let's move into lesson three. Now we're going to get into some nitty-gritty. And I still hadn't forgotten, forgotten about copies. I want to get a little further down the road before I start making those. Uh, I want us to look at some Bible truth compared to common misconceptions and some common error regarding the Lord's church. We will not finish this in the next 10 minutes, I promise. That would be impossible. Let's talk about some Bible truth compared to misconceptions and error regarding the Lord's church. First thing we need to do is talk about the word denomination. I had a fellow one time that I had a hard time ever getting a study with. He didn't like the word denomination. He would flare, and I'm not sure how he'd heard it used before. And I kind of got that. We often talk about the many different denominations. You understand that when we do that, we're talking about groups of people who fall under the same, for lack of a better term, the same umbrella of those who are Protestant. I don't know that I care for that word either, but as opposed to being some other. But the idea is they all have the, they all have the goal of serving God, which is a good goal. They all have the goal of serving Christ, which again is a good goal. So let's define what we're talking about. Not in a negative way. That when we mention or when you hear or when someone says, hey, what denomination are you? Here's what we're talking about. The idea, that by the way, is just strictly from the dictionary, a, a, a reputable dictionary. The act of denominating to give a name to. Okay, denominating means literally to give a name to. And I didn't know that until I studied the word just a little bit. It also has the idea of a series of values and sizes, particularly when it comes to coins or bills. We're used to that, okay? You know, um, if, uh, if you were charging $20 for something and I gave you a dollar, you, you would say, wait, wait, wait a minute, right? Okay? Uh, because they don't match, they're different. Examples are metric denominations or uh, bills of $20 and $50 denominations. Differences. The idea they're all pieces of money, but they have different values based on different names, based on different uh, 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 designations. Okay. Same thing's true with different uh, um, other areas. But it also, the dictionary also says it has come to mean a religious organization whose congregations are united in their adherence to its beliefs and practices. So the word denomination has come to mean a, a particular group of people who have united themselves, usually under a similar name, have united themselves to a, a holding to a, a certain uh, series of beliefs and practices that match one another. And therefore, they become this particular group. And uh, there's where the idea of several different Christian denominations, meaning 
uh, not practicing some other world religion, but practicing Christianity, even though there are differences. So, number one, right off the bat, we, we must understand that there are groups of people who are not practicing a world religion, not practicing, uh, but they are practicing Christianity, but there are groups who have been, they are in separate groups, separate divisions, separate denominations because of their adherence to certain ideas under a singular name or concept. Now we understand that. We get that in mind. We understand, uh, but keep in mind those individuals still refer to themselves as Christians, still have the idea of following Christ. That's a starting place. That's an understanding. So when we keep that in mind, still not name calling, but we're understanding what that is. That's what it is. So we get that idea. Okay, now question. Are religious denominations the same or different? Now, I, I, I guess I should have led into with a little bit of a disclaimer. We are going to continue to teach and talk and discuss in love, but we're also going to continue to get into deeper matters, much more serious in nature, because, uh, well, this verse we read will help us with that, I think. So, question, are religious denominations, now we know what they are, are they the same or are they different? That's not a trick question. Okay, that's right. They wouldn't be, uh, we would not, the, the designation or the description denomination would kind of be silly if there wasn't a difference. Uh, and if you don't believe uh, that using money, for example, if you don't think there's a difference in the denomination designated on the bill, then you ought to be at my mother's house at Christmas when she plays that game she plays where somebody gets a $50 bill and, uh, and everybody else gets a dollar bill. Uh, uh, there's a difference. Uh, um, I've never got to 50, JT, but uh, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, because I'm not used to seeing one. I say, well, what's this funny thing? Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 17. Now, when you read this, I want you to listen carefully as you hear this read. Do you mind reading it, please, sir? Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus, besides I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. When you read that passage, and Paul is being very straightforward and very clear about a situation that had um, 
un had happened and was unfolding in the church in Corinth. And he made it very clear in verse 10 that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions. There is a problem. There is division. There is division that has happened because people, for I don't know the specifics, but I do know enough to know that it was a problem. They were attaching themselves to certain individuals. To what extent that was, had, was and was headed, we don't know. But Paul intended for it to head no further. He said, stop. Nobody can do this. All of us fall under Christ. If you do anything other than that, then the power of the cross of Christ is nullified. That's what he said in verse 17. So what did he say? Speak the same things. Now, how does the reality of there being differences in various groups of those who are practicing and promoting New Testament Christianity compare with your reading and understanding of 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17? And notice he said, uh, I don't know if you heard what JT said, but uh, the idea of they were, uh, said if you're following my name, you weren't baptized in my name. You were, I wasn't crucified for you. Now, you open the door to what we just studied. Do you see how this, what we're talking about now, fits? It's a natural segue from what we just talked about because it's like uh, uh, pieces of the puzzle fitting together. Because the, what was it that gave Christ his power as the Son of God who now sits on the right hand of God who has been given all authority and power? That he was crucified and resurrected and God gave him that power when he sat down on the right hand uh, of the throne on high. Okay, now he was crucified for us and now I am baptized in the name of Name. Yes. Okay. He said you weren't baptized in my name. I wasn't crucified for you. Therefore, I have no authority for you to group yourself under my name. I don't have that authority. So the idea to do so, Paul makes it clear to do so under any circumstances, puts you in jeopardy of violating 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 17, which is... Don't be divided. Don't be divided. Speak the same thing. Okay? How do we speak the same thing? Jesus said it in Matthew 28. He said, all authority, all power, go and make disciples. And we never did read the next verse. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it comes down to a simple understanding of if you and I differ on a matter that is biblical in nature and we differ in the point that it's a different doctrine, a different, this is how God says it is. One of us or both of us are wrong. We cannot both be right. 
Now, well, you're just saying that because you want to be right. No, I'm not. I may be the one that's wrong. And I'll tell you something else. If you really want to study the Bible with someone with purity of heart, go into it with the idea that if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Because if you are teaching the Word of God, it's not about you. God's Word will never be wrong. So think about it from that perspective as we think about the idea of differences. There shouldn't be differences. Not because I said so, but because Paul said that God said so. There shouldn't be differences. Okay, so what we're going to do, Lord willing, is take up next week this question. This is your homework. This is your homework. What does the Bible teach regarding the church? What does the Bible teach regarding the church? That's what you need to study for next week. Thank you very much. I hope you all have a great week.